Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. You know, I know it may come as a surprise, but many people are still sexually active into their 80s. So if you wonder why things are quiet between your sheets, it isn't necessarily about your age. Yes, your body changes, but that doesn't mean physical intimacy has to end. So what is true and what is myth about your sexuality and ability to experience physical pleasure as you age? Well, my friend and intimacy coach, Janae Paylette, is back to talk about this subject specifically as it relates to menopause. So, Janae, thanks so much for coming back on and talking about what I think kind of gets people, you know, people are confused. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. People are confused. So That is definitely true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's one of these things that's like, you know, on some level, the mechanic of, mechanics of sex are fairly straightforward, but after that, I just think we all just, just get confused. So um, <laughs> you've written a series of blog posts about menopause myths, and I wanted to talk about them so that my listeners can understand what's really happening at this stage of life and how it really doesn't have to mean an end to, sex, to sexual intimacy, easy for me to say. So let's start at the beginning. What is the relationship between menopause and a woman's sex drive? That's a great question. Um, so there is this huge myth in our society that sex stops at menopause, <laughs> that, women, right, that women completely lose their desire for sex, mm-hmm. um, and that, that's the end of it. You know, so you hit your 50s or your late 40s or 50s or mid 50s and you're just kind of, you know, you're done with sex. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good anymore. I'm just, you know, not in the mood anymore. Like I don't have the same hormone levels anymore. So I just want to stop having sex. Okay. And that is really not true at all. Okay, so if it's not true at all, why is it such a common belief? What is actually going on here? Well, I mean, I think there's, you know, I think there's some realities, right? Let's, mm-hmm. not, let's not dismiss realities, right? Mm-hmm. You know, our hormones do change during menopause, absolutely, right? Yep. Our um, estrogen decreases and our progesterone decreases, and some of the, that hormonal hormones do affect various parts of our sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. We, okay. we sometimes, our vagina gets a lot more dry or irritated. Mm-hmm. Um, night sweats can, like, drive women crazy, right? Or, and we know they're not just during, during the night, right? And there are right. things that actually, like, make you just like, oh, I don't want to have sex. Um, yeah, but that's basically it's like, I'm so hot, I don't want you t- anywhere near me. <laughs> it's like, just go away. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, right. And, um, and there's two things about that. First of all, that's not true for every woman. Correct. Right? It's a myth that every woman has a huge negative impact 
uh, from menopause. For some mm-hmm. women, menopause is like, oh, my God, thank the Lord. <laughs> I'm not having menstrual cramps anymore. I'm no longer afraid of getting pregnant, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm not PMSing. Like, my body actually feels better, number right. one. And right. number two, there's also a time limitation, right? Like, we go through this, like, you know, this very um, kind of more intense menopausal period, mm-hmm. but then it ends, right? You, right? you don't have night sweats, you know, 24-7 for 10 years. We have it for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that's one of, one of the, like, you know, one of the myths that we really need to be thinking about. And also the, we shouldn't make the assumption that just because hormones are shifting, you won't feel as much sexual desire post-menopause, okay. right? For, for, like I said, for a lot of women, myself included, I was way more sexually interested and way more excited post-menopause than I ever was um, before. Right. So there are other important factors that really impact women's desire for sex, and I think menopause just becomes the good excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. I, well, be, I mean, and, you know, be, I mean, and there is at least in the United States. Now, I know in some other Western countries, you know, this doesn't happen. But older women disappear, right? It's like they're, you know, they're no longer seen as desirable and whatever. And so, you just as a societal thing, you know, we're not thinking, oh, this, you know, this really attractive woman in her sixties or seventies, or not even, you know, forget really attractive, but just this woman in her sixties or seventies might still want to be intimate with her partner or, you know, this idea that somehow, you know, I mean, I, I don't have the statistics, but I know sometimes, you know, in, in, you know, retirement homes and nursing homes, it's like you have this problem because the residents are wanting to have sex with each other and they're in their 80s. Like, it doesn't stop. It doesn't, right? And that's really important, you know, to be aware and and to be honest you know for you know the truth is and i think some men would tell you this um for women sex actually can get better as we age it gets better it's mm-hmm. more pleasant right we're more informed we're more in control we have much more of a sense of what we want and don't we what we don't want and frankly like we don't give up, you know what, as much <laughs> as, as we did in our, you know, like we're sort right. of like, yeah, I'm 60 and, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there is, there is some kind of that freedom when you get older that you just really stop caring what other people think. Um, exactly. Right. right. Which, which actually is very freeing. So, but I did want to talk right. about something that I think is really important because I've, I've been on a couple of podcasts really speaking to men about this and I've had the, the men, you know, the, the, the male hosts go, oh my gosh, I never knew that. Um, and so this is about the explaining the difference between spontaneous and responsive desire. First off, what are mm. those two things and how does it impact your sex life? Mm-hmm. So spontaneous desire is basically, oh, my God, I'm so horny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I just want to rip your clothes uh, off. Right, yeah. I just <clears throat> want to rip your clothes off, right. Like, and it, it, kind, it sort of happens out of something. You know, it happens out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and spontaneous desire is really very much related 
for women to our estrogen levels or to our dopamine levels, right? And right. in our earlier childbearing ages, our estrogen levels are much, much higher than they are as we age. And the other piece of this is our dopamine levels can also be tied to spontaneous desire. And this is irrelevant of age, right? So okay. dopamine is like, you know, the crack hormone. Right. <laughs> dopamine is incredibly ad- addictive. And mm-hmm. dopamine is released during sex, especially during orgasms, right? Okay. So the more dopamine that's released in your body, the more your body craves more dopamine, which is why I say like an orgasm begets more orgasms. The more you have orgasms, the more your body, from a physiological perspective, actually desires to have more sex and more orgasm because your dopamine levels are high. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have a question about so dopamine in a little bit, but I want to get on to the responsive desire. Okay. So that's the spontaneous desire. Uh-huh. Responsive desire happens when your body responds to arousal, to being touched, to being teased, to being turned on. It is okay. not, and I really want to say this again, it is not at all dependent on your hormonal levels. And it's the most common way that women experience desire in their bodies, regardless of what age they are, whether you're 25 or whether you're 65, that is actually the most common way that women experience desire, right? Uh But the key thing about responsive desire is that desire follows arousal, which means you have to have an opportunity for your body to be aroused before you actually desire sex because the arousal right. causes the release of the dopamine, which, include, which increases the feeling of desire. Okay. And I can see how, especially if you've got a lot of stuff going on in your life, maybe you have school-age kids and you're having a, and you've got a job and you know you're you know we we have the we have the popular buzzword of busy, you know, how how are you? I'm mm. really busy, right? Um so it sounds as if responsive desire if somebody experiences that and and I'm right there with you on that one, um that sometimes you know, just just waiting for those early days of oh, I just saw you. You know, I just saw you know your 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 butt or your chest or whatever, and now I'm really hot for you, and I want to rip your clothes off. That's probably not going to be happening during this time. Is that what I understand? Kind of maybe, maybe, but not necessarily. Okay, right. I mean, you know, stress, for example, is one of the greatest blocks for any mm-hmm. type of desire for both right. women and men. And what you're describing, super busy lives, kids, etc., older kids, having to take care of parents, right, mm-hmm. being in that, you know, sandwich okay. generation is going to cause a lot of stress, and that's going to decrease desire as well. Um, we could go into a whole other thing about why even if, in a responsive desire or in an older age, you would want to, you know, tear your partner's clothes off. Right? <laughs> uh, 
you know, if in fact, you know, you've created like gourmet sex, right? You've created the type of relationship where everybody's emotional needs for sex are being met. But typically that doesn't happen. People need to actually be educated around that. Um, so, so one of the things I feel that women really struggle with is they feel like they're broken mm-hmm. because they no longer have spontaneous desire. Right. Right. Um, as opposed to accepting and understanding that there's these two types of desire and let's not weigh once or judge one against the other. They're right. both valid. They're both awesome. And they both bring you into a state of your body wanting to feel more arousal and have more orgasms. But the right. issue with responsive desire for a lot of women is that you don't feel like you want to have sex, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you either have to like fake it till you make it. And I'm not talking about faking orgasms, right? Right. <laughs> it's but, more like being you know, open you have to that to, experience. Yeah, it's being open. Exactly. You have to be in around. your head. And, mm-hmm. Exactly. And say like, okay, I know that when my partner starts touching me after five or ten minutes and I get touched the way I want to touch, it's going to start feeling good and I'm going to start feeling turned on and want to continue and have sex. But that's, you know, again, that's a mindset shift. It's mm-hmm. a paradigm shift of, like, this is okay. And right. it can have its negative repercussions when one partner keeps on being like, I'm the one who always has to, has to initiate sex because you're right. another 40. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, and I do think, I mean, and that can be a frustration, in the, you know, and in, in it's, you know, I've had this conversation about um, spontaneous and responsive desire with, you know, another podcast and, and men go, oh my gosh, because it's like, this explains why your wife is not initiating sex. It's not because she doesn't want to have sex with you. It's just, she has this responsive desire. So it's kind of like, oh, let me, let me, you know, kind of let's get in the mood here. Let's kind of set things up so that I am in a position where I can respond to you. And so I just need to remind you, because we're going to talk about that in just a minute, but I do need to remind my listeners that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with intimacy coach Janae Paulette about aging, menopause, and sex. And the truth is you can have great sex for most of your life from a physiological perspective, but sex can be really complicated. And if your intimate life isn't all you want it to be, unfortunately, you're not alone. But the truth is, it doesn't have to stay that way. And it takes courage to address this very personal part of your relationship. And if you're ready to try, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and send me an email or give me a call to schedule your five-star relationship call with me. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463 or by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, and as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com. And I want to get back to this conversation about arousal, desire, sex, all of this stuff. Because, Janae, you, you said this a little bit ago and that menopause is often used as the fall guy for lack of desire, when it's really about, you know, mediocre or painful sex. So can you talk about mm-hmm. that? I so can. <laughs> so, 
you know, I, I do, um, I, I run couples retreats here in, in Asheville and I see, see many, 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 many couples and they come to me because their sex life sucks, generally speaking. Right. right. Um, and why does their sex life suck? You know, because, you know, they do the same thing over and over again. There's absolutely mm-hmm. no creativity. Okay. And um, they, you know, nine times out of ten, especially for women, right, they're not really ready for sex. Okay. There is not nearly enough arousal for them. There's not nearly enough foreplay for them. It just doesn't feel good. And so then you have PIV, penis and vagina sex, mm-hmm. and it hurts or it's painful or it's uncomfortable or it's only, oh, it's okay. You yeah. know, maybe I have an orgasm, maybe I don't have an orgasm, but it's okay. Um, and if sex is only okay, right, then why do it? You know, why not right. go like, watch your favorite Netflix, binge a Netflix <laughs> show or whatever, right? Like, really, that is, right. that is how women, <clears throat> that's 100% how women think. That's exactly what they're thinking about. Right. Um, so that's a huge problem, right? Um, and I think, you know, 90% of, of couples have very, very mediocre sex lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <clears throat> one of the things that's really different, and I, I do want to sort of just, but back to this about spontaneous desire uh, for a moment is the difference between how women get aroused and how men get aroused, right? Okay. And this is a big piece of it, mm-hmm. right? So if you touch a man's penis, he basically, most men are hard and they're ready to have sex. They're really pretty fully aroused. You don't right. have to do a whole lot more, right? right. Mm-hmm. To get them to the point of orgasm. And that is because, you know, men wear their genitals on the outside of their body. So they have, from a very young age, been used to having erections Mm -hmm. and seeing something and getting aroused and feeling arousal and touching themselves and masturbating, which is much more common for men than it is for women, Mm -hmm. right? We, as a a species, we, those of us vulva-bearing, right, (laughs) we wear our arousal on the inside of our body. Our entire Mm -hmm. arousal network, with the exception of 25% of our clitoris, is internal, Mm -hmm. right? And so growing up, like, you know, we're not like, our clitoris isn't enlarging when we see uh, a cute boy in school, Right. right? We have a very, very different experience. Okay. And so I think very often what happens is a male partner thinks like, oh, if I just start touching her clitoris or if I start touching her nipples, she's going to be ready to go because that's what happens to me when my genitals are touched. Uh-huh. And that is so not the case, right? Okay. And so, you know, therefore, women are not sufficiently aroused. Sex is only okay. And, the, and by the time menopause hits, they're like, damn, I'd rather be watching Netflix. You know, this doesn't feel good for me, right? And so menopause becomes the big excuse. Mm-hmm. And I, you have no idea how many times I hear this. Right. But menopause becomes the big excuse for women to stop having sex, period. Well, and, and I know it's very, very difficult to either, you know, to one, even identify what feels good, because like you're saying, you know, and, and again, there's some cultural stuff around this too, 
where you know women aren't necessarily encouraged to explore their bodies. Maybe maybe they are. You know, maybe younger women are now. But um, but this idea of what feels good. So so if I don't know what feels good, I can't share it with my partner. My partner's kind of left to their own. Well, this feels good for me, so let me do it to her. And I mean, I think there's just a lot of lack of knowledge about how to arouse a woman. Hundred percent. You know, I mean, and it's interesting because I always talk about, you know, for most people, vacation sex is great because you're relaxed. There's no time pressure. It's not like, okay, it's 10 o'clock at night. Let's, let's do the deed and go to sleep, mm-hmm. right? You know, right. and, right. and that, right. that really, I mean, there's something called an orgasm gap, and I don't know, I don't know, I mean, but it's the, it's the gap between when, 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 People have sex that men men almost always have an orgasm, but but that's not true. There's it's quite a bit lower percentage for yes, women. It's pretty I, big. It's like seventy five percent of men have orgasms, and I think it's about twenty five to thirty percent of women have orgasms every time they have sex. Right, and so of course guys are going to mm-hmm. want to have have sex a lot because mm-hmm. they're really enjoying it, and women are like, "What's all the fuss about?" Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, exactly. exactly. And, you know, and so, and, you know, and, and so this is a pattern that couples fall into, and I've said this before, you know, that nobody has to go to sex school. And I think it probably would be helpful if we all did. Um, because yep. it's like, you know, um, we don't know how the, how our bodies work. And like, you're, especially when you're talking about men where it's all on the outside, they can see it. Women, it's all on the inside. We can't see it. We're left to feel it. And so how do, what is that process? What, what should be happening? So I think it's multifactored, right? It's not okay. just physio- physio- physiological. It's not just physical, right. right? Women's arousal for many women and true for, true for men as well, but less so because it's so much easier for them to get aroused through mm-hmm. touch, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Women are, most women also need a psychological level of arousal. It's okay. not just physical. It's physical and it's psychological, right? Okay. So let's start with the, let's start with the, the physical piece and then we'll move to the psychological. So the physical okay. piece is really around warming a woman's body up, right? So, uh, you know, a, a woman's body is like a cake baked in the oven Mm-hmm. It bakes from the outside in. This is the biggest mistake that couples make. They go, uh, they go immediately to the genitals. Right. Immediately. Like may, maybe there's a little kissing. Maybe. Usually not. Then there's like grabbing the nipples, you know, going down on my partner, mm-hmm. and then we have intercourse. And that happens in a period of like maybe 10 minutes if you're right. lucky. Right. That's mm-hmm. the average amount of foreplay is about seven, seven minutes. Right. Okay. Which is to me, totally insane. Um, and, and so women need to be touched from the outside in, which means there's a lot of erogenous zones. Like I'd like to say that a woman's entire body is orgasmic, and okay. it is. And there's a lot of erogenous zones on our arms, you know, mm-hmm. the inside of our elbows, mm-hmm. um, on our necks, mm-hmm. right, in the clavicle area, our ears our lips, right? They're all over. And so, and most women, not all, but most women really start getting turned on 
with very light, gentle touches, light, okay. <laughs> low, gentle touches. I, I tell my clients, like, you're barely touching the hair on the arm, right? You're, mm-hmm. You want to create this situation of where you're getting goosebumps, where, she, where your partner is getting goosebumps um, on her body, right? Mm-hmm. That's a signal of the beginning of arousal. Okay. And spending a lot of time on touch and then beginning to um, sort of increase the intensity of the touch with a little more holding or a little firmer touch or a little more pulling your partner to you or Mm -hmm. squeezing them Mm -hmm. and really kind of avoiding the genitals until like she's kind of squirming under your fingers. I mean, that's really what I like to see. Right. Okay. Like when when she starts really squirming and feeling good because you're biting her neck and you're blowing in her ear and you're teasing her, right? Mm-hmm. Then then maybe you can think about touching her breast. That's okay. my that's basically my rule of thumb. Okay. So that's like the that's the physical piece of it, right? Uh-huh. Okay. But there's also and this is mm-hmm. super important. There's the psychological piece of it as well. Right. So a lot of women, and this will vary because we have different types of sexual styles. Some of us are more sensual. Some of us are more energetic. Some of us are more kinky. Uh Right. Some of us are more sexual. Uh Um, But many, many women also need the psychological arousal. And for a lot of women, that involves words, (laughs) (laughs) which is really hard right, for a lot of their partners to be able to use words to turn them on. But there is a psychological component of that, of the teasing of a woman, of telling her what she wants to hear. Is it that, does she want to hear that she's beautiful? Does she want to hear how turned on you are? Does she want to hear what I want to do to you when I get your panties off? Whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. There is an element of the psychological piece and teasing because really what you want to do to create a lot of desire is to create this sense of um, like a battery, right? Like Mm -hmm. a a charge, an electrical charge. There's a positive and there's a negative and it creates a charge. And that charge is created through the building up of erotic energy and erotic energy is built up through not giving your partner what they want, right? For holding back, for taking your time, for teasing. The more you don't get what you want, the more your body craves it. Okay. The more that you're told you're on a diet and you're not allowed (laughs) to eat, you know, chocolate pudding, the Uh more you are favoring that chocolate pudding. Well, it's the same thing with arousal. Okay. Right? The more you want your vulva to be touched or your clitoris to be touched or your breast to be sucked, but they're not. They're just teased really lightly. The more your body wants that. Does that make sense? It makes absolute complete sense to me. So here's Mm -hmm. the big question because, I mean, I know that you work with people, but what can couples do on their own? Because sex is so personal and it's so hard to talk about. And it's so hard because it's like, you know, how do, how do I 
how do how does somebody ask their partner to talk to me in in a certain way or touch me in a certain way? I mean, because here's the other thing, and this is one of the things that can be really frustrating for men that what worked last time doesn't necessarily work right. this time. You know, so I think that may be why people get into this for you know this routine or rut about, you know, first I touch here, then I kiss there, then, you know, then we go for it because it's, mm-hmm. because it could be so confusing. How, how do we get people to talk about this in a non, non-judgmental, non-solution um, oriented, but, but just be able to have a conversation about this stuff? Yeah, I mean, that is a very hard thing for a lot of couples to do on their own, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I like to tell couples to think about sex as art and mm. not as science. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the exercises that I almost always give my couples during the, a, a retreat, one of their home play assignments, is to, you know, go home, and each couple, each partner gets 30 minutes of just receiving. Mm, okay. And we take all the expectations off the table and right. they give feedback, right? Right. Okay. And you kind of just make it like play, you know, uh-huh. like you're playing doctor. And you're just <laughs> exploring, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of exploration that doesn't happen. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many people, like I'll show them, you know, 20 different things. And they're like, oh, my God, we've never tried that. We've never thought about that. I never did that. I've never experienced that. Mm-hmm. That felt really good. I mean, who knew, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and a lot of it is just through, like, you know, trial and error. Like, oh, you know, let me just start at the top of your head and, you know, start to use my nose to, to just, just to experience your body, mm-hmm. right? And tell me what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And what if I start using my tongue? And would you like me to bite you, right? And it's just being like not having any expectation about what is going to happen. And just being in the, you know, curiosity is the biggest, is the greatest Mm -hmm. word, most Mm -hmm. important word for a good sexual relationship. Can I get curious? about what feels good for me. Can I get curious about what might feel good for my partner? Yeah? Right. And just and really being in a place of, you know, acceptance and curiosity and playfulness and not having to feel like you have to have an orgasm or right. you have to have PIV sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's so much, I mean, because what you're talking about, that, that time of connection is mm-hmm. really important. And it's not just a you know slam you know slam bam thank you ma'am kind of thing because that leaves women feeling like you know what what what's all the excitement about you know and they'll have an orgasm every so often and it's fine but you know it, it it's sort of like and and again I'm I'm hearing my listeners I'm sure you can hear them too about but that takes so much time <laughs> mm-hmm. but. You know, and, and and I guess part of it is, is what do you want? I guess that's, you know, if you really mm-hmm. want to have this connection and, you know, and, and I love the idea about being curious and attempting to be non-judgmental, um, you know, because that's actually a mindset as well, that, that curious um, 
mindset about, oh, what is my partner going to do and how can I experience it and how can I, you know, and so if there is judgment running around in your head, I think that's a, that's a clue. And I think that's, you know, um, I, I never, under, I never understood this, that mothers don't have sex. It's like, okay, well, how do you think you got to be a mother? But all right, um, you know, or, or, or I'm in menopause, I don't have sex. And, and it's really, mm-hmm. it's really more about those stories that, that we've been led to believe that what I'm hearing from you aren't necessarily true. Yes, and I also want to say there's another very, very important component of this. And again, it's not just physical, it's not just psychological, there's an emotional component that you just touched on, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're feeling emotionally disconnected from your partner, you're not going to want to have sex, right? Right. And... um, and, and, you know, I, I listened to it, I interestingly listened to a, a podcast recently about, like, the battle between, like, you know, is it the emotional connection that comes first or is it the physical connection that creates the emotional connection? Well, most men think that right. it's the physical connection. They go to sex for the emotional connection, but that doesn't ever work. It doesn't. Because what really needs to happen is there has to be the emotional connection first. And that's a big piece, right? Mm-hmm. So, which is why, you know, in my couple's work, right, I spend 50% of our weekends, you know, working on helping to solidify the emotional relationship, the emotional connection. Right. Because when I feel seen by part, my partner, heard by my partner, I feel like they can express their care and consideration and love by my partner then, oh, I'm much more open to physical connection. So right. let's not forget that that is, you know, um, a huge piece, huge piece of the puzzle for women as well. Right. Because it's not either or, it's both and, right? It's both physical exactly. and emotional. And I mean, it's, you know, that's, and that's what makes it complicated. But it is, exactly. but it is, you know, valuable because, you know, it, it, it just opens up the relationship in ways that most people want. And it isn't just about one person being physically satisfied and the other one, you know, because we don't want, because I don't want, I don't want you, sex becomes a chore and that's not a good thing. We mm-hmm. do not want sex to be a chore. Please don't. No, and that's, yeah. a, that's a huge desire killer for women, right? Yeah. When, when, when yeah. you end up having obligation sex, that's another reason that women lose their desire and men know or their partners know right could be a female partner as well same thing happens in a a female to female relationship um that their partner actually doesn't want to have sex they're not into it and damn they know that 100 percent, they know that right and And it doesn't feel and therefore it's not as satisfying for either either partner right and, and, and the thing is, is that it doesn't have to be this way. And I know and I want to give you the opportunity to share some information about where people can learn some more about this and actually take some action. So would you share that? Oh, yeah. So I have a great online class. It's called um, Reclaim Your Desire, A Women's Guide to Sexual Confidence. It is a complete home self-study program. So there's about nine videos um, and a number of like exercises and worksheets and we go through all of the blocks that, that really hold us back from desire and then ways in which you can actually get your desire back. 
Um, and it's a very powerful class, and you can do it completely on your own. <laughs> mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. once a month, I hold uh, a monthly Q&A for anybody who's in the class, and they can come. And generally, it's awesome. It's just like a girlfriend sex talk, and we all just share what's going on in our sex lives, and um, I do some coaching, etc. And you can find all that information out on my webpage, um, uh, which is um, powerofpleasure.com, powerofpleasure.com. Um, and the program is called Reclaim Your Desire. Okay. And it's so, not super expensive either. It's like, you know, it's like I think it's maybe $300 or $350. It's not an expensive right. program. And, and let me tell you guys, it really works. So go, go check it out. Um, because, you know, one benefit we talked about before of menopause is that you can have sex without worrying about getting pregnant or, you know, having your period or, or, you know, or PMS or any of those fun things that come along with being a woman. And this could be freeing in so many ways. And yes, there are physiological changes that can occur in menopause that actually can be positively addressed. So if you're having some physiological symptoms, there are things you can do. But so if menopause... And can, can I also... Yeah, Les, can I also say that um, I also do, I do want to say something about my retreats because I have an awesome retreat program for couples. Mm -hmm. They're anywhere from three to five days of intensive working with me, and I'm starting local group retreats here in Asheville as well as some travel ones. Um, And that that, that website, different one, is passionateintimacyretreats.com if you're interested in information about that. That's a great way to, with your partner, really relearn how to create, recreate a, a gourmet sex life. Yes, and I, I, love that defi- I love that expression or that idea of a gourmet sex life. So mm-hmm. the question is, if menopause is not the true reason for a diminishing sex life, what is, and you've heard some things today that hopefully have piqued your interest, and the question is, is what's the impact that, that's, that those things are having on your marriage? And, you know, because guys, gray divorce is the number, is the number one, you know, people getting divorced are the people who've been married for a while, and I'm going to tell you, I think not great sex has something to do with that. So please, oh, yeah. so please check out Janae's websites both of them there'll be links on the intro for this and until next week stay loving <laughs>